0: Today is Tuesday, or actually today is Sunday, December 23rd, and this is episode 77 of the Birdland BS podcast. On today's show, we're going to talk Ravens and Chargers game recap. We're going to be joined by special guest Kyle Andrews of 1057, and we're going to do a QA for you guys. Stay tuned.
1: Take it to the Birdland That Baltimore home flavor is coming first hand Fred Scott and Ryan Tell them the word, man Mixing a little BS to make it work, man Boys, they got it When excitement, the topic Make sure when they toss you the ball You don't drop it With all that swag You're gonna listen regardless Here comes the pitch So it's time to get it started It's Birdland BS
0: BS, BS What's up, BSers?
2: What's up, guys?
0: fred and scott rare sunday special edition show and man I, I can barely control the excitement
2: right now the emotions are just Woo, flowing right now baby we got, a,
0: we got a lot to cover on the show uh this is going to be a little bit of a different show for us this week uh obviously we, we're not going to be recording on tuesday as tuesday is ho ho day uh so for all you guys that are going to be out there celebrating with your families uh we will not be a part of that
2: why you always gotta be bringing the hose into this? <laughs> uh shows and hoes, shows and hoes. <laughs> so we want a uh, hashtag i see it coming <laughs> hashtag shows put and that hoes. on a
0: shirt too <laughs> oh, hey man.
2: let's do it i'm good with it i think our guests might like that one yeah
0: man speaking of guests so this week again we're going to be talking about the uh the ravens and chargers game recap and joining us this week on the show kyle andrews from 1057 the fan what is up kyle
1: hey how's it going guys how are you
0: Good, man. Good. Appreciate you being on the show. Last minute here uh, as we get ready for the holiday. Man, we got a lot to cover with this Ravens and Chargers game, this whole playoff scenario and everything that's unfolded in the last couple of minutes. Appreciate you being on, man.
1: Yeah, no problem. I definitely wanted to come on just to talk about all the stuff that was going on with the Ravens. I mean, it's a momentous time, isn't it?
0: Yeah, man. (laughs) Absolutely. You can't. Can't deny uh, all the excitement going around with the Ravens right now. I know that there's a lot of skeptics out there with this offense and with this team, and you know I think I think you, you I think you all know my stance on the whole Lamar thing. I think everybody kind of knows my stance on the Lamar situation. I'm just tired of the the excuses from everybody. I'm tired of hearing, well, what's he going to do when we play against this team? What's the team going to do when we play against that team? Well, I mean, he's passed darn near every test. Is he perfect? By no means. He's not perfect. But uh, the Ravens pull off the upset, a big upset in San Diego going against one of the top seeded teams in the AFC. Some argue that this may be the top team in the AFC. Um, And
2: we took them down,
0: (laughs) took them down, to say the least. It was a uh, pretty I don't want to say it was it was a dominant game because it wasn't on all levels, but defensively have you seen this team Kyle play this well the way that they played in this game
1: I haven't seen them play this well since 2000 and I'm going to be completely honest with you yeah I mean and that game specifically they were able to call us Philip Rivers I mean everybody knows how good Philip Rivers is I mean if he's not an elite quarterback on your list he's one of the top he's definitely a top 10 quarterback so agreed I mean, the fact that they caused him to throw two picks um, they caused a fumble too that got recovered for a touchdown. Um, I just think they're playing at such a high level right now that you know any team it's going to be hard for them to go into Baltimore and just cause issues. So if they, I mean, if they do have to go into Baltimore, if they, if the Ravens win this division next week by beating the Cleveland Browns, that's obviously you know a good situation to have.
0: Yeah, man. I'm right there with you. That that game's obviously going to have a lot of a lot of implications now moving forward cuz uh the other thing I think we were the all the other shoe we were waiting to drop here was obviously this Saints and Steelers game here which was a a hell of a football game.
2: Nail biter to the end too.
0: Yeah, to say the least, uh the Steelers end up losing in New Orleans uh as the Saints come up with a last minute fumble. Of Juju Smith Schuster, man, I w I don't know about you, but I about jumped out of my chair when that happened. <laughs> how how was the excitement in your household surrounding that?
1: Well, everybody went a little crazy. I mean, <laughs> the the biggest thing is like, you know, I'm watching a game with a bunch of people that aren't Ravens fans. So uh, my grandma my grandma's a Cowboys fan, my grandpa is an Eagles fan, my <laughs> uncle's a Raiders fan. And my, my family, the rest of my family, they're all back home in Baltimore right now. They're coming down uh, tomorrow. So, you know, I guess they, they did a little bit of home cooking. It was kind of a neutral crowd. right? Everybody was, you know, kind of ruder for whoever. But my grandmother jumped out of her seat. She was pretty glad to see won. So
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, this changes everything from a playoff perspective. You know, now – The Ravens basically control their own destiny going into this last week against the Browns as the division leader in the AFC North. They now have a lock on that fourth seed if they can win this big game going up against Cleveland. But I tell you, going back to this defensive performance, if they can play like this, there's nobody in the AFC that I fear. Even, I mean, as as good – as we held up against Kansas city in Kansas city, this defense did not play this good in that game. And if they can play at this kind of level, I mean, we're we're talking, this team had five sacks, two picks, the defensive score and a forced fumble. I mean, like you said, I just, I have not seen this team play this good in a very long time.
2: They've been strong defensively. We saw some, you know, some things on the offensive side of the ball, which I'm sure we're going to get into shortly, but, To to your guys both of your guys' point here, the defense played such a strong game. Eric Weddle's interview after the game, you and I were sitting there watching it. He's ready and he was asked, is this team ready to go to the Super Bowl? Can they go to the Super Bowl? And he didn't mince his words. He he without saying the word yes, he said the words yes. Well, that's I (laughs) mean. That's honestly the
0: whole point of him coming here to Baltimore was that he felt like coming here that he'd have a good shot at getting back to the playoffs or getting into the playoffs. Uh, obviously it, it's taken a few years for that to happen, but don't want to count your blessing yet. Nothing is written in stone. Still got an important game coming up here, but you know, Kyle, I'd like to get your take on Weddle. Uh, we we talk a lot about him on this show and the inefficiencies. Uh, what did you see from Weddle in this game? And what do you, what are your expectations for him kind of moving forward for the rest of the year?
1: I think specifically, Weddle gives you the ability to line guys up in the right place. And, I mean, he he might not be the most explosive guy, right? He might not be that that guy that would be able to get those picks for you or weigh down those big hits because he's not quick enough to get to the guys. But he will have some of the other guys lined up, and I feel like C.J. Mosley's kind of in the same boat, right? Um, just as they're not the best in coverage, but if you needed someone to make a play at the line, both guys can do that, and I and I feel like. It kind of goes back to how this defense is. I feel like they're greater than the sum of their parts. Right. It's not that I think Eric Weddle is great, but Eric Weddle's very smart and mm-hmm. he plays his role very well. And I, I mean, Eric Weddle would probably tell you as well that he isn't. Yeah, he, ha- he doesn't have the step that he had, you know, four or five years ago. Right. But what he does have is that he has a higher capacity for the game, just knowing and having that knowledge of the game that he's able to, you know, just put guys in the right place, get everyone lined up right across from, you know, getting guys on the line, getting guys to be able to send in blitzes. He kind of, you know, disguises things pretty well, too. I think yesterday it was a couple of plays where he actually kind of confused Philip Rivers, and I think that caused a couple of those picks. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's something that's valuable to the Ravens. They... They didn't have that since Ed Reed until Eric Weddle came. So, I mean, you know, even though he isn't – Eric Weddle is by no means Ed Reed, even Ed Reed at the end of his career. right? But Eric Weddle is a very smart football player, and he will have guys lined up in the right place.
0: Yeah, and that's – that's you know, Scott and I talk about that pretty much on a weekly basis. He's He's definitely that veteran leader. He can definitely put people where they need to be, even – to Scott's point, listening to Weddle talk in that post-game uh, press conference, he talked about knowing this offense, talking about the Chargers offense, knowing Phillip Rivers and kind of his checkdowns and his progressions and being able All to – His
2: nuances. Yeah,
0: just his nuances and things and, and being able to relate that to the defense I think came up huge in this game. But let's let's talk specifically even more about the secondary because the secondary was huge in this game. Uh, before we talk about the two heroes, I do want to talk about somebody that I don't think we're kind of hard on and we don't give enough credit to uh, to where it's due. Tony Jefferson, he had an up-and-down game in this game. Uh, he had a couple of bonehead plays, kind of a couple of misreads, uh, missed tackles, but then he also made some big hits in this game and came up with some big plays, had a couple of bad penalties. What's your take on Tony Jefferson? Uh, and, and, like, do you do – you, prefer him out there would you prefer to see chuck clark out there Uh, what's your take on tony jefferson
1: i think that tony jefferson with what you have out there right now it's not i feel like with eric Weddle's lack of speed is not complimentary to tony jefferson right you know i feel like you have two guys that aren't the quickest of players out there at the same time and it's not really complimenting each other but let's say tony jefferson had a cover guy that was out there with him, you know, maybe Tony Jefferson will be playing at a way higher level. Right. Just because he wouldn't have to be left a wide away. I mean, wide open in space. I mean, that's not going to make him a better player just, just because, but it'll make the defense much better that you don't put him in those situations to kind of, you know, get in trouble. Right. So I think, I think he is, he's fine in the place that he's in when, when they have him, I guess not necessarily – when he's in a box, mm-hmm. I feel like that's when Tony Jefferson's the best. But when you put him out on the island or you put him back in you know, coverage, I'm just like, man, I don't know if that'll be the best look for them. Right. But at the same time, I mean, he, he played he – played, he, he definitely had an up-and-down game yesterday. But those run stops and some of the hits that he made on some of those receivers too – they were just very good plays out in the open field. So Tony Jefferson, you have to take your head off to him for those plays, but he also needs to clean up some of those mistakes that he made in coverage as well as those penalties.
0: Yeah. For me, looking at this game, I thought that that was like, that was the glaring thing. He's, he's not a, a young player. He's not a rookie by any means. Like some of these, Bonehead plays that he made as far as the penalties go. Uh, even even one that wasn't called a penalty, the one that was almost clearly a blatant pass interference that they didn't call late in the game on a on a, on a uh, deep throw that he was clearly beat on. Uh, just just certain things like that, certain mental lapses uh that I've I'm always kind of frustrated with Tony Jefferson in that sense.
2: Yeah, Tony Jefferson has been fr- frustrating me for a long time in that he, he does have these slip ups on occasion. And when he slips up, he slips up hard. Yeah. And yesterday was a prime example of that. I mean, it, that boneheaded play with the penalty, the, the first one, the late hit out of bounds. I question that because it's hard to, you know, stop your momentum on hitting a guy. Look, I know it's, it's a little ticky tacky in my opinion, but then the next play he goes out and hits a guy and it doesn't get called. Right. I was waiting for that flag. You were waiting for yeah. that flag. I'm sure Kyle was waiting for that flag and it just didn't happen. Uh, again, we're joined by Kyle Andrews, 105.7, the fan at Kyle Andrews, 1994. Make sure you follow me. He's always in on team news. Uh, he's posting videos all the time on uh, all of the social media pages that are him at the press conferences and things like that. Uh, so we want to thank you again for joining us, Kyle. But, For those out there that are watching and listening, uh, making sure that you know, this is an open QA as well. So if you've got some questions for us or Kyle, especially with him being so so much closer to the team than even Fred and I are, uh, please feel free to comment. We'll get your uh, questions on the air. We'll get them out to Kyle and see what he's got to say about them. Kyle, my question on the defense, kind of just doubling back here to the issue with safety, whether it's... Uh, a switch of Jimmy Smith moving, which has been kind of thrown out there. I know Fred Fred has kind of floated that idea out there, Uh, whether it's maybe having somebody else to compliment Jefferson on the field or having Weddle making the play calls and, and pulling Jefferson off. What do you think, in your opinion, is there somebody that is on this team currently that could handle a true free safety position for this defense and really almost completely, in my opinion, solidify and take them above, you know, you said that you see them back as a 2,000 team. Is there a free safety that you think could take them above that mark and make them one of the best defenses of all time?
1: Well, I'd say currently on the team, it was a very interesting point that you came up with with Jimmy Smith. I never really, you know, thought that maybe, hey, Jimmy Smith could move back there. But, you know, that was something that you definitely have to think about because Jimmy is way better in coverage than any of the safeties that they have now. Um, even including Chuck Clark, who I think is very solid at what he does yeah. ball. And he had he had a really good play in the Kansas City Chiefs game. So I think that maybe if if you want to go with somebody that's already played out at free safety or already played at strong safety, you gotta go with Chuck Clark. But if you want to go for the true upgrade, you know, and make it I guess solidify it. You want to go with Jimmy out there free safety. Maybe you mix up coverage a little bit. Right. Maybe nece- you don't necessarily have to put Jimmy back there all the time, and he could play corner sometimes. Maybe you could even put Brandon Carr back there sometimes. Right. Maybe you could even switch, you know, Maurice Kennedy out there sometimes. I know that's been dabbled with a little bit. Even John Harbaugh even mentioned that a couple of times. So, I mean, these are just a couple of things that they could do. And I think it's probably, in my opinion, if they want to do it the right way, they have to do it by committee and just mix up coverages. Like what they've been doing all season.
0: I I agree with you that, especially in the short term, talking about the immediate. uh, I just think long term, just looking at this team and the way it's constructed, I think the one position that fortunately enough for us we actually have a little bit of depth at right now is the cornerback position um staying in the cornerback positions let's talk about some of the positives let's not harp so much on the (laughs) negatives here let's talk about what we're seeing really good and scott and i have been really high on this guy i've said he's the team mvp i've said he's a top three cornerback in this league the way he's playing right now marlon humphrey Another huge game. The, obviously, the interception that kind of solidified the game there at the end. What's your take on Marlon Humphrey, man? Are you happy with what you've seen out of him?
1: I think that, you know, we had for, for our local media to vote for a team MVP, Marlon Humphrey's one of the guys. Yeah. So we have to get our votes casted by Thursday. And I'm definitely voting for Marlon Humphrey. Nice. I think that Marlon Humphrey, as soon as he came back, after, you know, those that injury that he suffered, this guy has just been playing at a very high level. And you can't take anything away from the way that he's been playing. He's completely solidified the cornerback position for the Ravens. And I think that, you know, they haven't had a true shutdown corner since Chris McAllister. Right. For a couple seasons. And I think Marlon Humphrey is that guy. You know, you could, you could stick Marlon Humphrey on the best of the best. I mean, Marlon Humphrey was... Sitting there punching Mike Williams in the face. <laughs> and I mean, even Brandon Carr was playing very well too. So, I mean, you definitely have to give him his kudos. I think he's had a very good season, very underrated season. And I mean, it's funny because coming into the year, everybody thought, okay, this is going to be Brandon Carr's last year in Baltimore. Yeah, sure. I was
0: one of those people.
1: Yeah. And funny thing is, now it's kind of reversed where people are saying, hey, it might be Jimmy Smith's last year, and they might keep Carr for that veteran presence as well. Right. So, I mean, I think all of these guys, you know, have given them something that, I mean, even Tavon Tavon Young's playing very, very, very well in his slot corner position. I think Tavon Young is a top five slot corner in the NFL. Agreed. And I I don't think you can take in as soon as he came back, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, the Ravens, they finally got what they needed back. Right. You know, 2017, they were missing him all season because you could stick Tavon Young on A. B. sometimes. Right. You know, and I mean, they're about the same size. So I mean, this guy, as, as little as he is, he plays with the heart of a lion. And I think that all of these guys definitely deserve the credit, but Marlon Humphrey has taken them to a place that I haven't seen them in a whole, very long time. And just as I said before, I think that, because of that, he is the team MVP on defense, especially and just in general. <laughs> with right. how much, it has changed as soon as he came back.
2: From that perspective, since you're, you know, I think we both or we all three agree that that's really should should be the case. Do you think if you're voting for team MVP at this point, uh, kind of piggybacking into a offensive type mindset for a second? Do you think the defense is being overshadowed by Lamar in the media currently, and you know how underrated this defense is since Lamar is really the the prime target of media concerns and a media talk with this team right now?
1: I feel like he's definitely overshadowing it, but I mean that's to be expected, and he's a young new quarterback, everybody's gonna be very excited about him. he plays a a very exciting brand of football, you know he has the ability, and I mean, for for all the merits that he's had just these past couple of weeks, the dude's five and one, right? You know, so I mean, like, give him credit where credits due, but at the same time, he couldn't have done all this without the defense, and I feel like it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, right. they both have to, you know, the defense needs him to to keep that ball on the ground so that they don't, you know, have to come back out on the field. And he needs the defense to play very well because, you know, we haven't seen Lamar get in a shootout yet. It still remains to be seen. But I think that the way that he's playing football right now, he's taking – I mean, I was about to say that he's taking care of the ball, but I wouldn't say that necessarily. But at the same time, he's he's been able to keep the ball on the ground for a long time and eat up huge chunks of, of yards and do all these things that – you know they couldn't do with Joe Flacco and it's not necessarily I think we had this conversation off air before Fred and like, yeah we we're talking about how like Joe I just don't think with the way that the team set up that he can he can allow them to do these things right and I think that because you know Lamar has this running game and the offensive line is kind of building off of Lamar's run
0: they're just playing well. So. Yeah, that, so I want to get your take on this. We've started this. I've started this whole thing, the, the Lamar effect, and I, I want to kind of get your, your take on Hold this. Hold on. So, let's, get this,
2: let's get this in here. Oh, yeah, he's got the gear
0: on. I got the gear on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to get your take on this because, I honestly, I really do think that this plays a large effect on everything. It's not how Lamar is playing as an individual. There are areas – obviously that he needs to improve on and some areas that he's struggling with that are expected as a rookie like it's just part of the learning curve and and getting better but this defense was good prior to Lamar but what we've seen is we've seen this defense go from good to great since Lamar's taken over and I really think the hashtag Lamar effect is part of that and what I mean by that is because as much as For certain teams, time of possession really isn't that big of an ordeal. I think time of possession for this team is huge because it limits the amounts of opportunities that the other team has just from a simple math standpoint. And then what that does for this team, again, you've got a veteran-laden defense that typically... Gets gassed later in games. It's typically what we saw earlier on in the year. Specifically, Terrell Suggs. He hit that kind of typical last couple-year wall where he just slows down after four or five weeks. Well, now that he's on the field less, we're starting to see the pass rush come back and start to get back into play, which is also helping on the back end because the corners don't have to cover as long. So we're seeing the corners play better football. Do you do you buy into the Lamar effect having... A difference on this team as a whole, not just from the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel that way, and I think, I think the is different than what the national media has said is, and I think it, it's for football reasons and not the motivational reasons that everybody says. People are like, "Oh, well, Lamar's added extra juice to this team." I think the team was already juiced up. Like, I, I think right. this defense, especially the defense, was playing pissed off all season. Right. So I think. That, you know, I, I feel like because they're fresh, because of, you know, the actual time of possession that Lamar is getting them, I feel like they're way more fresh. Offensive linemen, when it comes to them, these guys aren't the best of pass blockers. Right. Say for maybe, I'd say Ronnie Stanley, Marshall Yonda are like the most polished pass blockers. And then after them is Orlando Brown Jr. Right. And when you have a left guard and a center who aren't the best pass blockers, I mean, no offense to Alex Lewis and James Hurst and as well as Matt Skr, but they're not the greatest of pass blockers, but they are very solid at run blocking, especially when they're using these power concepts, mm-hmm. as my colleague Logan Levy mentioned before in some of his articles. And, you know, I just feel like when you have a power blocking scheme with this offensive line, it's been working very well, especially when they've been using some different concepts every week just to run the ball. Well, let me,
0: while while you're bringing that, because you bring up a good point there, and this is an argument that a lot of fans will try to combat and say, well, why aren't you running this same blocking schemes with Joe at quarterback? And are, are you of the mindset that if they were to stick to this kind of offensive blocking scheme and this type of running game, would the running game have this kind of success with a pocket quarterback versus a mobile quarterback?
1: I think that it depends on what you do. My my biggest thing is that I think, personally, that they wouldn't have the same amount of success, but I'm not saying that they wouldn't have success at all. Right. So I think it would be kind of like, I, I think you guys, of course you guys watched the LA game right? and Eagles last week, right? Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing with that game was that the Eagles kept pounding the ball on the ground, even though it wasn't working perfectly and they got like 119 yards or something. The Ravens have been obliterating that because they have Lamar and they have Gus Edwards and they have Ty Montgomery and they have Kenneth Dixon and they have all these other guys. Um, I just think that, you know, maybe maybe it wouldn't be perfect, but it would still be better than what it was at the beginning of the season because I know Brian Baldinger actually brought up a good point with some of the blocking schemes and, you know, and some of the way that, the way that they were running the ball with Alex Collins, they kept trying to bounce Alex Collins out to the outside. And the Ravens have always, always ran the ball better through the tackles, no matter who the running back is. Even though like as shifty Ray Rice was, right, you know, he still ran through the tackles a because he's hiding behind the these big offensive linemen. And I felt right. like the Ravens got away from that early on and then went back to their roots. And when you have a John Harbaugh led team, what do they do? They play very good defense and they run the football. They might not be the best of passing. And that might frustrate a lot of people, including sometimes, you know, people within my site too. Baltimore beat down a lot of guys. Get frustrated with that, and girls too. Right, I can't forget about Sage, obviously. <laughs> but you know, that's something. That's something that a lot of people get frustrated with, with in the passing game. But they do play really good football when they run the ball real well, and they and they play good defense. So that's the formula that they have to stick to. And, I mean, because of that, they had to – I feel like they had to make a change. Um, Joe Flacco doesn't really fit. He never – I never thought he fit within a Marty mornwick Glad scheme. Right. Agreed. And I felt like that was – that wasn't the smartest of decisions on the Ravens' part, in my opinion. If If, let's say, they didn't draft a quarterback this season – why would you keep Marty Morningwig when Joe has never really had success under Morningwig as his offensive coordinator? But then when they drafted Lamar, it's like, aha, you know. All right. That's why they kept Marty Mortonwig and that's why they brought in Greg Groman, and that's why they have James Urban and they have all these other guys that are, you know, kinda of gonna get Lamar into this oh yeah, you're gonna play in this West Coast team, you have really good feet and you can hit guys on short throws. So that's what I think
0: went through
2: their mind in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, I I am right there with everything that he just said. I mean I that's one of the things about this offensive coordinator situation. It's to me, it's been a, a point of contention for a lot of fans, point of contention even for me. I personally I don't like Marty Morningwig. Yeah. I don't think he's the right guy to be there. But at the same time, don't fix what's not broken. And right now with Lamar, I, as much as I don't want to admit it, it's working. Right. So could it be working better? Absolutely. Hashtag yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but the one thing for me is that it—if it, you can get somebody in there that is a little bit stronger mindset with him to develop him—I don't. I think they're just worried about using what he's got right now, which is is good and it's it's working. But at some point, the tape's going to come out on him, and it's just going to be hard to to stop defenders who have figured him out on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, we, we saw in this game, obviously, he had some accuracy issues. He I think he only completed about 50% of his pla- passes, thereabouts. Um, the, the good thing was, other than the one you know drop ball that he had, he didn't turn the ball over, which was huge in this game. Um, he had the, the pass. It's, it's like for every frustrating pass that he makes, and some of the passes you're like, oh, my God, how can you be that far off target? then he hits that you know the the Mark Andrews uh down the seam pass you know, couldn't have put it in a better spot in between double coverage <laughs> what's your take on Lamar as a passer man at this point
1: i think Lamar is inconsistent as a passer and that's the most obvious thing that you can right. say but one thing that Lamar actually explained to us during some of the press conferences and some of the i guess just interviews that we had with him is that he just you know, he's still getting used to the NFL football. And if anybody's familiar with the NFL football, it's a slightly larger ball, doesn't have the same fill as the college football. College football has a, those little white lines on the end instead of, you know, just being a all-around brown football. Right. And so right. because of that, some of the grips are different. And especially within college, you have, you play with all different balls. In the NFL, you just play with one ball. Yeah. And some people may say, hey, well, why, why hasn't he gotten used to this? But I, I don't think that, you know, for for as much as you can work with somebody outside of a game, I feel like once you get in game, you go back to your bad habits. Right. And so because of that, he's going to have to take a whole entire off season, knowing that he's the starting quarterback and knowing that, hey, I need to work with my guys and some of my receivers, they like the ball like this. Like, you know, you'll have tight ends that like the ball like that. And so... Look at look at the situation with Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar has a very good rapport with those two, and he also has a very good rapport with Jordan Wesley and Jaleel Scott as well, which we've yet Why, to see. I yeah, and they—I mean—the biggest thing is they're all rookies, and they all had the most time to work together. But makes sense. You know, I feel like with Willie Snead, he has he has a very solid rapport, even though he hasn't worked with them as much. But then with Crabtree and Brown, it's kinda like, Man, you wish they would you wish they would be able to get in those positions that I guess they could come back and have that rapport with him, come back to the ball and make those plays. And I feel like some of the running backs have done that, but the running backs have been taught to do that, you know. Right. That's in their DNA. But with the receivers it's like, okay, I ran forty yards downfield. Where is the ball? Right. And maybe they might not come back to it. Right. So you know that's something that he's going to have to work with during the all season. I don't think John Brown or even Michael Crabtree will be back next season, but that's a whole different story to open up.
2: <laughs>
0: so, so you bring up a good point there. In being that you are close to the team and, and you've you obviously you, you've got some I won't say inside information, but you have an inside view on things. What's your take on the playbook surrounding Lamar? Meaning. Is it a very limited playbook? Because, I mean, obviously, if you're just watching it on TV and you're looking at things, it's it's a lot of the same simple routes and simple, simple concepts. Are they doing that because they're trying to limit the mistakes with Lamar, or are they doing that because of the limitations of Lamar as a down-the-field thrower? What's your take on that?
1: I think it's just the inconsistencies of Lamar as a down-the-field thrower. I don't think it's necessarily because he can't do it. He mm-hmm. can do it. You just never know when it's going to happen. And I know some people have pointed to the fact that they're like, oh, yeah, well, Joe Flacco was inconsistent. And I get that. Joe was inconsistent. But the thing was, you could line him up in so many different, I guess, traditional, quote-unquote, formations that it didn't really matter because of his arm strength and his, you know, nobody threw a prettier football than Joe Flacco. Right. You know, but – at the same time, Lamar has the ability to be put in these different situations that Joe could never be put in because of his athletic ability. And he is a very smart kid. I, I I feel like so many times people discount how smart Lamar Jackson is. Yeah, Lamar Jackson can make all these reads, and when you look at him in game, his eyes are just moving and scanning the field. So I feel like eventually they will give him more to work with. It's, it's similar in a in a sense to like – what the Panthers did with Cam Newton. Like, the Panthers kind of cut down the playbook with Cam Newton his first season. During that season, they installed, 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 installed. And then by the second season, he was running the full playbook. So I think that's something that Lamar will be doing and very soon. But, you know, he also wasn't the starter at the start of the season. So that's why it is the way that it is.
2: All right, and we are joined again by – The Fan's Kyle Andrews. He's a reporter for them. Kyle, I know you've done a lot of coverage on a lot of the Maryland games. I think you did the Navy game a few months back. Uh, You really have kind of a broad spectrum of what you've covered for 105.7 The Fan. But we do have a few questions that are kind of coming in here through our different social media sites. One is actually in reference to the division. Your opinion on whether this Bengals team could beat the Steelers with the way that they've been playing recently?
1: Ah, man, that is a tough one. I don't, the Bengals. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I don't think they will. I mean, I I just think with the way that everybody kind of discounts the Steelers because of what just happened, and I feel like that's recent seed buys. Right. But the Bengals are not a good football team by any stretch. They don't have Andy Dalton, so. Right. And not no AJ Green either. So
0: yeah, they're missing a lot of happening. weapons
2: for sure.
1: Yeah, All right, I just I don't think that's happening.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's happening either. If I'm being honest, we got
0: our wish with the Saints doing what they needed to do. So we just got to finish what we need to do against Cleveland.
2: Uh, the other question was, uh, regarding Jimmy Smith. Uh, we when we were back talking about Jimmy and, and saying, you know, maybe he can move to the safety. Give credit position. to who's
0: asking these questions too. Don't forget that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so the last one, the first one was actually asked, uh, by Connor, uh, from YouTube. Uh, the second one is kind of a, a combination, uh, from Matt on Facebook. And Matt was saying, A piece about Jimmy saying, basically, who would you replace Jimmy with? Uh, Because there has been some some question marks surrounding Jimmy and and how long he will be with this team. I know that we have said that Jimmy is a seems to be a Harbaugh guy because of his issues. He's still been getting the reps. He's still been getting uh, the loyalty thing with Harbaugh. Uh, Yeah. So the question is, if let's play let's play scenario for a second with this question, if Jimmy's gone or if you move him to the safety position, if you did one of those two things. At that point, if you had to pick, it can't be by committee, if you had to pick, who would be the second corner for this team other than Marlon Humphrey?
1: I mean, Brandon Carr has to be that guy, right? Right now. In, in the opinion. immediate, right. And then I think, down the yeah. line, Anthony Averitt is your guy. Because, I, I mean, they drafted Anthony Averett because... They believe that he could be a starting cornerback in the NFL. Right. That's just a fact. And, I mean, the, the only reason why he, he dropped did. so low in the draft anyway was just because of his height. And, and I, feel I feel like he's such, he's, such he's such a good ball corner, and I feel, I feel like, like he has very good ball skills. He'll eventually be starting next to his old running mate, Marlon Humphrey. So that's something that I, I could, could see in the future. But Brandon Carr is an immediate solution if, if they do move Jimmy Smith out to free safety or if he's gone in general.
0: Yeah, I just I, that'd be interesting to see what they do with Jimmy. Just because I think he can bring some value at the safety position to give you somebody who has the ability to cover some ground out there. He's a big guy. He's a physical guy. He can still hit. He can be a thumper if he needs to be. Uh, but he does have the speed, the speed and the awareness to be rangy. Uh, it's just it's going to come down to the cap situation. You know, he's obviously a pretty big hit against the cap, and I know there's going to be a lot of cap situations addressed probably at the
2: end of this offseason so we'll see what happens there Connor actually brought that up uh, I believe on Facebook with or sorry it's actually Dan on Facebook or on YouTube I'm sorry that said uh, we'd be better off releasing Jimmy and finding a free agent with the nine and a half million in uh, cap savings on him right um, so kind of uh, I, I, do
1: a, I agree with that as well,
2: well mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think it makes sense if you can find a younger a younger guy that with a little bit less problems a little bit less injury prone that would be something that for for this Ravens team, if you could find if you could find another Marlon Humphrey, you need that you need a center fielder
0: out in in, in free safety. You got to have that rangy guy, and we have not had it since Ed Reed. And I don't and I don't mean that we're going to go out there and find the next Ed Reed. That's that's not what I'm saying. Like those are once in a generation type players. They don't come around that often, but. You need a guy that can be rangy and that has the cover abilities, and right now we're playing with two box safeties. We don't have that guy that can play that coverage deep, and I think whether it's Wettel or whether it's Tony Jefferson, obviously Jefferson would be the better choice because of the age. Those guys will excel in what they do if you give them somebody that can cover the back end.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think we can't can't discount Deshaun Elliott, and I know Deshaun Elliott's also known as a thumper. but what what I I saw during training camp, and especially when I want to say they were playing. They had um, open practices against the Rams, and right. so against the Rams, Deshaun Elliott was flashing so many times that he was, you know, getting past deflections, getting out to the ball, making interceptions against the first team Rams offense. So, I mean, this guy is is still he's still around, so don't discount him either. And then they'll still have some guys in the draft that they could go after. I like uh, the safety from From washington as well so look out for him
0: all right yeah i mean deshaun elliott was a guy
1: i know you and i had had
0: a conversation up at training camp during you know during training camp about what we saw in deshaun elliott and everything that i saw in those couple practices that i was up there was super impressive i mean considering how far he dropped down the draft board i was my expectations weren't real high for him but honestly i don't really follow texas that closely so i didn't know what to expect from him and uh I was, I was pleasantly surprised what I saw before he went down with that injury.
2: Speaking of the draft, we have Connor chiming in from YouTube asking uh, as far as your, your information, maybe what you might be able to provide us with, Kyle. A, how many picks are they up to for the upcoming draft? And could we make any big draft day trades? Do you foresee that as being something looking at this upcoming class? Is there somebody that they're maybe going to shoot for? And, and also on to that point, do we see the switch here from a defensive mindset in Ozzie Newsom to more of an offensive mindset with Eric DaCosta, as many people may be calling for?
1: I think right now I'm not I'm not entirely sure how many picks that they're up to right now because I know that they gave up a few to get Lamar last season, so right. or last year. So I mean, it's first things first. And then second thing, I could see a draft day trade especially if they make the if they make the playoffs. I think that they're going to have to trade up if they want to get that certain player. And I think, let's say, like, Jimmy Smith is gone. And I know that everybody's like, well, why wouldn't they surround Lamar with talent? They're still going to surround Lamar with talent. They're just going to get guys in the second round. Right. Or, or third round, even. And, I, I mean, they don't have – that's another thing, too. They don't have any second-rounders. So maybe they make a trade. Maybe they use some ammo. If, let's say, Joe Flacco gets – Trade it, you know, and they eat, I guess, or they take back some some uh, some cap, I guess, hit with with another player, maybe like a basketball trade almost where you're taking an expiring deal to, you know, get rid of Joe Flacco as well as like a pick or two. I think that in that situation, they can use some of that draft ammo to move up. I really like Greedy Williams. I think Greedy Williams would be an excellent pick for the Ravens know a lot of other people chips talked about Devin White. Right. I think that he would also be an excellent pick just because of the fact that CJ Mosley would probably I mean it's a chance that he could be gone next season. So right. you want to be able to solidify those positions and even let's say that the Ravens restructure Jimmy Smith, which could also happen. And I think that a lot of people get upset with the restructures because they, you know, calls for more money to be spent down the line. Maybe they cut him and then bring him back on a on a shorter deal. Maybe they give him like a two year deal, like same thing that they they did with LaDari as well, right. Same I was thing just about that to they say did that. with yep. Vontae Leach. Yep. You know, other guys like that. So I think that in the end, yes, they can trade up, and there are a few people that you would want to get, and but they're all to me defensive players. I think offensively in this draft is kind of challenged right now, so.
0: Well, you've mentioned uh, kind of building building around Lamar, and I think one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is how to gear this offense around Lamar. Obviously, if Lamar is going to be your quarterback in the future and this style of offense, this RPO style of offense, is going to be what we see moving forward, I feel like the current group of wide receivers – just isn't the style of wide receiver that you need to build around Lamar. I feel like you need some of those smaller, some of those shifty guys that can, that can run the, the quick routes, the slant routes that can make room in space versus maybe like the Crabtree, who's the, the possession kind of receiver, the taller target type thing, the red zone target. Uh, what's your take on the wide receiver core? Do you think – John Brown should be somebody that we keep, Willie Snead should be somebody we keep, or do you think that we need to revamp that wide receiver core more geared around Lamar?
1: I think Willie Sneed's staying regardless of what happens because he showed that he can play with Lamar right right now. So I think that's, you know, he's he's staying. But Michael Crabtree, I feel like they're going to have to change that as well. John Brown saying things is because John Brown, I feel like, the way that the Ravens are utilizing him. And it's not necessarily because of his skill set that he couldn't work in this offense. I feel like with him, you have to do some shallow crosses, right? You know, and they don't do that because they, for whatever reason, inexplicably. So Marty Mornoway doesn't put in shallow crosses in his offense. Yeah. You know? So I think John Brown's going to move on just because he feels like, Hey, well, I'm a speed demon. I can get open in a vertical offense, I could get open with a quarterback that can drop me the ball right in my hands and I'm scoring 10 touchdowns a season. So I think that he's going to be gone. But if the Ravens do get somebody, I think – I remember a while back, everybody loved Tavon Austin when he was coming out of W V. Right, right. That's the type of receiver that they would have to look for with, you know, with Lamar. And I feel like somebody that's versatile, you know, Tavon could play wide he could play he played wide out in college, he played running back. Right. You know, guys like that. You need people that can do all these different things. I think another guy that also jumped out to me that would be like a, a Lamar type receiver would be like Cooper Cup. Okay, know, if you could get That's somebody good. like Cooper Cup or you could, you know, continue to add on those slot guys, guys that, you know, can can make those catches over the middle, but also run very solid routes and we're run those West Coast schemes because the Ravens have never really had receivers that run very good West Coast schemes except for Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed's been the best one at doing it. So yeah, I think that's who they're gonna stick with, but the rest of the guys it's gonna change it's gonna change over.
2: it's actually interesting that you say that. I've actually been calling out the fact of Willie Sneed. I I and I haven't seen the the snap count from yesterday but I've been watching Snead's snap count kind of it it initially when Lamar came on it kind of seemed to drop off quickly after we after that first week especially after uh, himself and Crabtree became a little bit vocal to the point that you know it started causing some issues but when I look at him I think you're exactly right he's a type of guy he can hit those middle routes and when Lamar is looking for him he he can be explosive and and get us the the yardage that we need. We've seen it how many times now that a ball comes, whether it's from Joe or whether it's from Lamar Sneed is fighting for that extra yardage and it's helping and it's working on a regular basis. So I, I think you're right on that. I think we, we do keep Sneed. I think he does stay as a choice, not, you know, as a, we have to get rid of some guys, things like that. I think it's a guy that he, he solidifies Lamar's ability to cross the center And not have to worry about it being a tight end. It's a guy that you can have him play this slot. He can also... If you can get Lamar throwing the ball a little bit deeper, let's not forget Snead can handle the deep route and that go route. So we don't want to forget about that. Switching gears a little bit, I did want to ask you, I know you haven't been around the team, obviously, since they are just flying back from Los Angeles. I think early this morning they came back. What do you think it's going to be like with those misses from Tucker. I know they were deep misses uh, throughout this game, but two big hooks in this game and two short. Technically, I guess he hit it short twice. What do you think this plays an effect, if any, on this team and maybe Harbaugh's willingness to go to Tucker? Do you think it affects Tucker's mentality now that this year he's had more misses than he ever had in his career combined? What kind of role and effect do you think this plays on Tucker and this team?
1: Well, I think that it doesn't play a huge role just because most of the other kicks that he missed, or I guess missed, quote-unquote, was that he got him blocked. Right. And the other one, you know, from yesterday, he slipped. And then the last one was from
0: 65 yards. 65 <laughs> yards. All right.
1: Mean, who, on, a, on a field that he's never kicked on before. Right. He has no kind of like, I guess with some of the other fields, like let's say at Heinz, like Tucker loves kicking at Heinz. At Heinz. That field is a mess. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, that the field that they have at subhub, that's probably, I would say, one of the best fields, like, grass-wise to kick on because it's a soccer field. But, you know, he's used to kicking in that rougher kind of terrain. So, you know, this isn't really going to affect him going into the rest of the season just because he, you know, he's, he's going to kick at M&T most likely if he does go, if they go to the playoffs. He knows how to kick there really well. We all have seen that, save for the one missed extra point, which got caught by wind Gust. So right I mean, right you know, or if they play Hines, maybe you know he'll he'll kick really well there. He's kicked in Foxborough, right? You know, he's kicked at Arrowhead, so he he knows how to kick there. He's kicked at all these other places. So, you know, this is the first time he's been at StubHub. Hub i give him a break. He'll he'll be right there for you at the end of the season. You need Justin Tucker, and I feel like they'll still have that confidence in him.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I think that all this concentration on Tucker from some of these fans is ridiculous. I, I think that he's had a great year. Yeah, I mean, he had the the one big blunder, the missed extra point, which is the first extra point that he's missed in 15 years or whatever the <laughs> heck it is since his sophomore year of high school um yeah like yes said yesterday he had the one slip up with his foot the other one was 65 yards for
2: the fans i i don't agree with it. i 100 percent agree that it's it, yeah. the fans have taken it. i just i'm asking questions because yeah. you know this is questions that fans are asking right now right. and that people are out there saying but one of the things that you have to that, that are people are arguing about and I, i'd be really curious to see your take on this is the whole piece of Tucker being snubbed from the Pro Bowl, and then he goes out there and, you know, in in some fans' eyes, has a, quote, bad game. Even though, as we just said, the one time his foot slips, the other time it is a 64-65 yarder, which would have been Nobody history. Nobody in the league makes saying, that kick. It, it would have been history at that point. So, what do you think the take is on him being snubbed from the Pro, from the Pro Bowl uh, and and Obviously, I want to hear your take on, on how fans are overreacting. I'm going to love this. So
1: I, so think, I think Justin, Justin Tucker should have made the Pro Bowl regardless. regardless. It's, right. like, it's, it's like, like taking, taking – I, I would say, say it's like, like taking, taking Derek, Derek Jeter out of the whole story. It's like, like the equivalent of that. Derek, Derek Jeter is so consistent, consistent that he you – know, you know, he's, he's never he never really – I guess Derek Jeter always played the game the right way. Right. You know, He was always hitting doubles, hitting singles – Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Et cetera. Never really blown blowing it off, blowing the top off this, you know, <laughs> for the, the Yankees, Yankees. But that's, that's the same way Justin Tucker is. He's a, a kicker. So everybody's thinking, oh, yeah, he, he kicked the 60 yard field goal. Field goal so, what? you know, he you got, got a, a game game-winning winning field goal. Field goal. It's, it's like, like, it's like, like it's a game winning single, single, you know. <laughs> <the RV guys laughs> and everybody's like, oh, that's really cool. But he didn't hit a home run.
0: Right. You know,
1: spoiled fan base, spoiled fan base. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, not like a game game-winning winning touchdown. touchdown. So, so, I mean, I, I, me personally, I think, I think that, that they screwed him, him over. Yeah. <laughs> I, think <laughs> I think that he should be in the, he should, should definitely, he's, he's going to go, go to the Hall of Fame. fame. That's, that's, there's no, no doubt about 100%, I'm 100%. Doubt. agree right that there. That yeah. He's, yeah. Only he's only been in the Pro Bowl a couple of times throughout his career, which is stupid. It blows your mind with the
2: consistency he is as a kicker. It just blows your mind that he isn't a regular Pro Bowler.
0: Well, see, and that, that brings up a whole other discussion, and we don't need to go off on too much of a tangent about the Pro Bowl because I think the Pro Bowl gets more attention than it deserves anyway. <laughs> the Pro true. Bowl is just – it's the worst all-star game, per se, of professional sports out there. I can't stand it. It's right up there with the NBA and how much garbage the NBA is as far as the voting goes. You know that's that's what that's what I'm talking about. As far as who gets in and who doesn't, half the time the players that are supposed to get in decide not to take the invite. They don't want to play because they got other things going on or whatever. And next thing you know, it's it's the bottom tier quarterbacks that are in there anyway. Um,
2: Blaine Gabbert will be in, I'm sure, it's this year. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think when you're really evaluating a, a a player's career, I think the the more important statistic is all pro selection. So That's. That goes to really tell the story as to how you performed in a single year. I think All-Pro, obviously, they're looking more at the statistics of a player than they are as a a popularity contest like the Pro Bowl.
1: I agree. I, I definitely, definitely agree with, with it. With and, it. And, and when it comes, it comes to fans to being, being take off the a talker. talker, they just... <laughs> I don't, don't know, what know what to say. Yeah, I just, there's not a
0: whole lot I, to I, say. I,
1: I, yeah, I feel, I feel like you, you could, could get angry with, with, so, many other with other so many other people or so many other things, things but they get, get upset, upset with, with Justin Tucker, Tucker after <laughs> how great he's <laughs> been. been. Right. And, and even, even this, this season, season, he's gotten his, his kicks, kicks blocked because, because guess what? what? You know, his front guys haven't been able to block. So, I mean, I remember I played. I actually played that position when I was an offensive lineman back in high school where, you know, you have to protect your kicker from getting his, his kick block, and guess what, what? My, my kicker, kicker was pretty, pretty solid because we kept, kept their hands, hands down.
0: Right. And these guys
1: are not keeping these guys' hands down. I don't, I don't know, know what, what the issue is, but, you know, that's, that's been something that's, that's been going on in the season way more so than it's been, been going on in other years. years. And that's, that's why he's been, been not having, you know, not connecting on his kicks. kicks. But, but for, for people to be upset with him, him I mean, just be upset with somebody else. Yeah, there's other fish to fry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Be upset, Be upset with, with your souls souls for <laughs> you know being <laughs> mad. At him, like, wow.
0: Right, right. Well, you know it's funny. It's 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 not the majority of the fans though. Because honestly, I mean, I was at the the Saints game when he missed the extra point, and, and walk, you jinxed it. And walk, <laughs> I did jinx it. But walking out of that stadium. If it would have been like a last second interception throw by Flacco, you would have heard the entire fan base going F Flacco and this Flacco and that Flacco. When we walked out of that stadium, it was just straight utter shock. Nobody wanted to talk. Everybody was just kind of like, I can't believe that just happened. Because it never right. happens because we take for granted the accuracy that is Justin Tucker. We take for granted all the big kicks that he's made in his entire career. You want you know it, it's it's i I think the majority of the fan base out there recognizes that and realizes that you know Justin Tucker is about as automatic as it comes for kickers in this league,
2: yeah, sticking with kicker, by the way, we did have a question from Connor. Will we trade Vedvik when the opportunity comes? Oh, that's
0: a good question.
1: You know. you know, I don't I think, think that, that they'll trade Vedvick because I think, and I know, I know this sounds crazy because, because of how good he's, he's been, been. But, but I think Vedvik will next, next season, season, it's, it's a, possibility it a possibility that he could, could replace Sam, Sam
0: Cook. I said that too. It's I
1: because, agree. Just because, because of the money. Yep.
0: It's,
1: it's, just, just, it's purely because, because of the money. money. I think Vedvik's life is just, it's the way he punts a football is unbelievable. Like this dude could get, sixty seven yards right. in the air at, at times. times. And, and I, feel I feel like because, because you, you want to save that money, you go in, in that, that direction of giving, giving a, guy a guy like Corey Vedic that, that punter position, position because it's, it's not, not taking over, over kicker from. from no but you get
0: rid you get rid of Sam Cook and you take away our best quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Sam <laughs> don't get me wrong you he's know, a hell of an athlete Oh yeah. oh, yeah, you, you want me to, to tell you something, something about, about Sam, Sam Cook?
1: in, Cook in practice, practice all the time? Sam, Sam Cook's in, in there throwing he's – throwing, he's, throwing, he's throwing darts in practice.
2: That surprised me.
1: And he has such a smooth, smooth throwing motion. motion. It's, it's just like, like – I'm like, like how does this guy, guy? – it's, it's almost, almost like Sam, Sam Cook's like, like the reincarnation of Tom Tupa.
0: <laughs> like, oh right, right. Yeah, That's a name pull. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you know,
1: <laughs> he could go. He was, he was your backup, backup quarterback, and quarterback, and he was your and, and, he, was your quarter, and, and he, was he was your partner. Right. So, I mean, he he's, he's just, one just one of those guys that can, can, if, you if you want, want him, him to. to. I, mean, I mean, if if, if it got, got ugly in certain situations, certain situations if you know you got all your quarterbacks knocked out, I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Cook went out there and just started, you know, hitting some, chucking the
0: ball down the field,
1: right on some short dimes, right. Hitting, hitting guys, guys over, over the, the middle, middle. <laughs> you know, really, really, <laughs> really short <laughs> passes. And, and then not only that, but remember, Sam, Sam Cook can, can run, run a little, little bit too. Right. I think right. we saw that a couple right. years back. Right. Um. So. so. You know, He's a heck of an it. athlete, yeah. man. I mean, oh, anybody yeah.
0: you talk to will tell you that 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 knows Sam Cook personally. But I think you bring up a good point about Sam Vedvik, and thank you for the question, Connor. Would we appreciate? Uh, huh?
2: Corey Vedvik. Corey you, you said Sam. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I got the two players. I just combined them. They're just words. <laughs> I don't con- <laughs> Doesn't matter what order they go. Yeah, <laughs> no, it doesn't matter where. So if if we do get rid of Sam Cook and you bring in Vedvik, I think it brings a lot of versatility to the the special teams as well because. You're, you're one play away from losing Justin Tucker. You know what I mean? And, and, and having somebody that can do both, that can be a punter and be a kicker if you need to and not have to worry about going out in free agency and picking somebody up off the waiver wire or that kind of thing or having something on your practice squad, something like that. You've got a player built into your roster that can do both in the snap of a snap of a finger, if, if need be, I mean, hopefully knock on wood. We're never in that situation. We don't have to worry about that. Cause never want to lose Justin Tucker, but Vedvik is, is a very rare breed of kicker. And as loaded as we are at those two positions, I, I I'm almost there with you. I, 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 I'd almost prefer to see us save a little bit of money with Sam Cooke and bring in Vedvik just from a versatility standpoint.
2: And I, I, this brings up another point. If, you're, if we're talking about keeping Vedvik, I haven't heard a whole heck of a lot regarding Vedvik. And so I'd be interested, Kyle, have you heard, is there stuff going around You know the, the facility when you're there, stuff going around media that you're hearing about his overall health after the whole incident that he went through early this year, well,
1: I see, well, I see him, him walking, walking around, around every, every day, and he looks, that's he looks good. He looks, he looks pretty, pretty good. good me. me. I mean, I mean he, he looks, looks like how he did it during training, training camp, camp before, before the, the incident. incident so well, that's good. You know, okay, you, just don't, you don't hear much. He's fully recovered. So. Okay, good. That's that's, that's what you d-
2: at. You really don't hear much as as an average fan about what happened with him, and it's really because he's you know he's not on the team. He's you know just kind of he's there. He's he's a guy that is on the overall roster but is not on he's on you know on the practice squad on the overall roster for the team but he's not a guy that's getting any coverage as far as you know his health things like that I, I question if that may change if, if you know with fans I'm sure they'll be throwing that out there at some point but I was curious on his health because I, I haven't personally heard a lot I know Fred you and I talked about this at one point like where what's going on with him has he been recovered so it's actually good to hear that you're saying yeah. that he seems to be kind of walking around with his uh his head held high and seems to be in good health yeah, yeah I mean, it's good it to look, hear he, he looks,
1: looks really good though, though. i mean, I mean he's, he's, like i said he's, he's been, been, walking been walking around and, around. and i'll tell, I'll you, tell what, you what, him what him and chris, chris Eziola, Eziola,
2: the yeah um, fullback from right.
1: from germany, germany. they those, those two, two are very good friends they always always on to and then again, uh, then again, I'm, again not I'm not surprised because, I, mean, I mean, Norway, Norway and, Norway and Germany, <laughs> Germany aren't ridiculously yeah. far <laughs> from each other. They're, They're like the foreign
0: exchange students of the Ravens team. <laughs> exactly. And the languages, <laughs> the languages aren't, aren't
1: that, that different, different either. either. Right. People, People would be surprised. be surprised. I mean I mean – I got, I got told, told everybody, everybody, joke, joke is that, that I'm a linguistics, linguistics minor. minor. That's right. definitely, did. That's, did. Did. That's, that's, the, that's the truth. truth. I, I actually was, was a linguistics linguistic minor. Oh, so, okay. yeah. that's, yeah. that's so, crazy. Yeah. That's So, I mean, that's, that's, nice. that's one thing that they, you know, they, you know, get, they along get along really well. well. They, always they always talk with each, with each other. other. Um, um, sometimes they're talking in a language. I don't, know. I couldn't even talk. I mean, I would be able to talk German, but I can't tell Sometimes, I swear they know multiple languages. So These guys... These, guys, These guys, are guys are both, you know, you really know, really nice, nice guys. guys. We, haven't we haven't been able been to talk, talk to, to Bedrick bed, 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 obviously, obviously because he's right. right. on the restricted, so restricted list. So, right. but he's but been, been walking around him and you know, you know, in, in the in the, in the, in the, locker in the locker room. room. He's been eating.
0: He's daily functioning. Yeah,
1: yeah he's yeah. just functioning like a normal human being. Maybe he's, you know, re rehabbing. I guess. Wow, oh, really. I th-
0: I think this has got to be some record for podcast or Ravens related shows to spend on one topic specifically related to kickers and punters. <laughs> I don't think any other show has given that much time to kickers and punters. But so <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about obviously the, the next nail in the coffin as to whether we're getting in or, or not going to be in this playoff scenario. We got a big game coming up next week now at home against the the red hot Cleveland Browns a team that is uh, obviously a very young, fiery, up-and-coming team in the AFC North. It's gone are the days that you can check off two wins against the Cleveland Browns in this division. Uh, what's your take on the whole Baker Mayfield and Cleveland Browns uh, change? You know, you're going from one one win in two years to now, what, six wins on the year?
1: I think, I think that, that Greg Williams, Williams has, lit has lit a fire, fire bro. Bro. And, I, and think I think that, that he's, he's – I, I think it's unsustainable. unsustainable. I, think I think the offense, offense is sustainable. I think, think Freddie Kitchens has, has a future as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Right. As yeah. a full-time, full-time offensive coordinator, right. right. not just as an intern. But I think that Greg Williams is fine if he stays on the staff next season. I think whoever they bring in, I don't think they should throw the baby out with the bathwater. They have something good right now. And I think that Greg – Greg – Williams Williams isn't the guy that that I would would say, say, okay, okay, I'm going to put my future future as a head coach, but but he is a guy guy that would say, Hey, Hey, look, 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 I want want you to be our defensive coordinator. coordinator. Obviously Obviously the guys guys like you. you. And I think that's very important for what they got.
2: And I think that, you know, you have, you have a really good,
1: you have a really good front seven. Obviously, you know, they have, they also have a very good offensive line. I feel like their offensive line is very solid. So I mean, they have, they have those two things, things that, you that you want to build, build upon as, as well as, well as, as the quarterback. quarterback. I, just I just feel like they, like need, they need to get, get a couple, a couple more, more weapons for them. I like, and them. I like I David and Joku and as well. Yeah. And I, and think, I think that, you know, as time goes on, goes on the Browns, the Browns, Browns are going to be, be a team, team that, that is very, very scary. scary. I think they're scary right now for the Ravens. Yeah. And just speaking on the Browns, too, the game just got flexed to 425 next week. So, oh, yeah.
0: Late start. All right. Breaking news game is now flexed.
1: I'll be, I'll be I'll forever, forever. So, <laughs> so no, that, that audio, audio. it's going to be a lot, lot of audio, audio to cut. Kind of, I kind of can
0: imagine. Time. I can imagine. But yeah, I, I think to your point, I, Greg Williams. You know, there's certain people that are just meant for specific roles, and just because you're a great off or defensive coordinator doesn't necessarily make you a great head coach. And I think he's one of those guys. I think what he brings to the team from a defensive standpoint uh, is is you can't you can't put a number on it. You can't you know rate how much you value it because he's a great defensive coordinator. Um, I do think that uh, there will be some – candidates out there maybe at the college level that, that may be the next guy in line for head coach out there. I'm sure Baker's probably pulling for a specific one there. He might have a little bit of a weighted decision there. But, yeah, I, I just I really like what I'm seeing that out of this team so far, and it is. I don't think this is by any stretch a gimme game, even at home this week coming up against the Browns.
2: Did you really just make the statement you like the Browns? I, I
0: think I've always kind of been like a closet Brown Brown fan in a way, not just because I root You see for what him? I have to deal with, Kyle? You see what I have to deal with? <laughs> it's not It's not that I root for him. I just I, I I wanted to see them get over the hump, man. Instead of that that continual two-win season, one-win season, zero-win zero seasons, just the root get for over the, the hump to be more competitive again. And we're starting to see that, and that might come back to bite me in the butt here <laughs> in the next couple of years. Well, I'll,
1: well, tell, I'll tell you something. You something. I, I had, had like, like a... Cleveland, Cleveland Brown, brown shirt, shirt from when I was when a I was kid. kid. <laughs> Don't, forgive forgive me, me. It was a <laughs> car <I'm always laughs> a Cleveland Brown shirt. So always like, forgiven. <laughs> so I always looked at, I mean, I mean like, when like when I was, I was a kid, kid Bernie Kosar, I always, always was like, man, kid, that, dude that dude was a was beast. beast. Like, right. I always, I always, I always thought the Browns, browns have, had like, and I, and I, Lord, Lord forgive me, cool uniforms. uniforms. <laughs> well,
0: oh, I'm not even going to go that far. They're yeah, not exactly. cool I, I, uniforms. I saw, I
1: saw those, 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 those the brown those, tops and the orange pants. pants. I was like, yeah, yeah those, those are, those are those pretty sweet. sweet. But like, <laughs> Maybe on Halloween. I was not a minority, in a minority <laughs> for that, but, you know, yeah. that was something That was something, that something I always looked, looked at. The Browns, I'm like, man, they, especially recently, i just like, man, they are going to be very good. They have so much talent. They just, they just need somebody, need somebody to tap into that, that talent. talent. I, think I think Greg Williams has gotten a lot from these guys, guys so far. Agreed. But I but think that they're, they're going to have to pass, pass the, the baton, baton to somebody, to somebody else. else. You know what? You know what? Maybe, maybe to, If, 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 if Freddie Kitchens, Kitchens does a good enough, enough job, maybe Freddie Kitchens is looking, is looking like, hey, like, maybe. I'm young. I was a former NFL quarterback. I think there's an NFL quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, a backup. But he's a guy that he could throw his hat into the ring. And if not, you know he'll be, be, sl- sl- be slotted, slotted as the offensive, offensive coordinator, coordinator somewhere. somewhere. Some, some team, team will, will want to Hey, Freddie, you want to be our, our offensive, offensive coordinator next, next season? season. He'll, he'll be like, like yeah. yeah. Right. You know, he the offense the and, the and, he'll jump on that in a Heartbeat. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. so, so they have they have some good good staff members, members, right members right now that were under, under Hugh Jackson that you know, you know, were doing very well Hugh Jackson and yeah, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, they weren't they yeah, weren't work they weren't team,
0: right? not only on the same page; they weren't in the same book. No, <laughs> they were so far off from each other. So,
2: so, Kyle, just a, a quick one for for you. You know, we mentioned the, the Browns being such a strong team. You know, coming on strong, let's put it that way. Not a strong team overall, but they're coming on very strong. What do you think for the Ravens? Because at, at this point, the fate is somewhat in their own hands there are some different scenarios where they can still get in and and not and still be able to like lose the game but still get in but my question comes to you as what if you had to give i'll say two two keys to this game against the browns what would they be
1: contain baker mayfield that's first things first right second thing is lamar jackson is going to have to feel he's going to have to sense the pressure really well against the browse defense and if those two things are accomplished then the ravens will win this game handily. if not if one of those things is accomplished it's going to be a dog fight i think that the ravens are a better team so they'll end up with a w but if none of the, neither one of those things are accomplished perfectly then or not even perfectly at least 80 percent or 70 something percent of it then it's going to be a problem for the Ravens, and they'll end up losing this game. So they have to at least play, I guess, a 60-40 game in their favor. If they can do that, they'll win the game easily.
2: Are you able to give us a score prediction?
1: I would say about I, – I think it's going to be a closer game. I think it'll be 24-20. Okay,
2: okay.
0: Uh,
1: so – Giving I that to they, the
0: Ravens, the edge to the Ravens?
1: Yeah, Oh, yeah. I think the Ravens will okay. pull that away, but I think it'll be 24-20 Ravens. Ravens end up winning the division and going to the playoffs for the first time in four years.
0: It'll so. <laughs> be great to Bef- be believe it. Right. Before before we let you go, I do have one more question that I want to ask, and we'll get to any other questions we might have on social media. I don't know what we got out there. Scott's monitoring that. So, obviously, the, the other big news surrounding this team, we talked about coaching with Greg Williams and all that the John Harbaugh situation. So right before uh kickoff with the Ravens yesterday, uh, news had broken out that the Ravens were going to work on an extension offer with Harbaugh. Um and I think we've all kind of talked about it in our own platforms as far as our feelings on Harbaugh and some of these conversations that we've had off there in the Baltimore chat room as well. <laughs> That's for censored eyes only. That's uh,
2: <laughs> We'll keep that under wraps. But By the way, Chib's like messaged me that he wanted to be on the show. Oh, I'm, I'm- <laughs> sure he's
0: itching, just itching to get on the show. But unfortunately, it's not as easy as that, Chib. So we'll definitely get you on next week. But uh, I wanted to get your take. So. I guess first question about the hardball situation. One, what's your take on the timing of it? And two, are you happy with the decision or what way would you have rather seen them go?
1: So I think that, and I know everybody, you guys know how I feel, but (laughs) personally, but I think what they did is that they, they made a decision that they felt will give them the best continuity. Okay. And, you know, they figured don't bro- don't break what's not broken. You know, keep it the same thing, keep it the same way. It's been going pretty well right now. They're on a five and one streak, so I feel like because of that, they kept hardball and they've been doing some innovative things on offense. I think that I think the bigger issue. I know a lot of people have that issue with the way hardball goes about X's and O's and everything. Right. But I think the bigger issue is the fact that. Marty Morninglake's the offensive coordinator. Yeah,
0: that was going to be my so, follow-up. You stole my thunder there.
1: <laughs> so if, Greg, if Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator, Nader next season, I think that Greg Roman is a perfect fit for Omar jackson the team. Okay. You know? Because, I mean, he's had, that, he's had that ability to kind of mold those running quarterbacks into dynamic weapons. Like, we saw it with Colin Kaepernick. We saw it with Ty, Tyrod Taylor. Right, you know, Lamar Jackson is a whole different athlete than both of those guys are. Agreed. So, as fast as like Cap was, he definitely he definitely doesn't have the speed Lamar has and the quickness and agility. And I think that Lamar's arm is better than Tyrod's arm too. So, I mean, you got a guy that has the dynamic ability of you know those players, and he can he can play the quarterback position at a very high level. With Greg Roman As his offensive coordinator
0: What did you think Of the timing Of the Of the decision To make that announcement Or to have that Not even really An announcement I guess just have The news kind of leak Did you think There was anything To that As far as Making sure That that came out Prior to this game Or was it just Kind of It is what it
1: is They definitely did I feel like It was a Calculated PR move Okay And I, I think that Fans were so Excited And I think Most of it is like You know I feel like there's a contingency of fans that are like, oh, it's Joe Flacco's fault. Oh, it's John Harbaugh's fault. Oh, it's both of their faults. Oh, it's it's just one of their faults. Oh, it's neither one of their faults. They just (laughs) haven't been able to get in. Right. And then I feel like it's just like, schematically, you know, sometimes what Harbaugh does, is just like, eh. But then other times it's like, oh, yeah, well, he actually listened to some of the other guys that Gave them very solid input. So, who knows, really? <laughs> I, right. think, I think that they just did it just so that they could get the they wanted the players to rally around them. They wanted the fan base to rally around them, and they got what they wanted, with that win yesterday. So, and all the players were very happy with it, from what I've seen on social media so far. I haven't been able to gauge what they've said in person, but. We'll see what happens.
0: And have you been seeing that from both veterans and the younger guys, that, that both oh, yeah. sides of the fence are happy with that?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I've, I've okay. seen what Eric Weddle has seen. Eric Weddle was extremely excited about hardball coming back. Um, I think that we saw with Chris, Chris Wormley as well. I know he's a young guy. Um, I saw Tony Jefferson spoke up. And it's a lot of defensive guys that have been like, yes, Harbaugh's back. This is exactly what we wanted. Um, I know good. that you know. We'll see. We'll see what happens at the end of the season. If they, right. you know, what happens if they? Lo- I mean, you have to think about contingency plans. What happens if they lose this game? Right. You know, how will fans react if the Ravens don't make the playoffs because a last-second collapse?
0: It'll be and doom and gloom. All- we all know that. <laughs>
1: and we've seen that all too many times. Yeah. Me personally, I'm hoping that they continue the season on because they will have more to write about. <laughs> and I have, you know, and I have more work. I have more hours at 105.7 The fans. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, so, I want them to make the playoffs just because of that. Win win for, for very selfish reasons.
2: But, <laughs> you know. Well, quick quick follow up on the on the Harbaugh piece. There was a, f- a few weeks ago when they made the announcement of you know Joe's healthy, but Lamar is a starter. You were there at the press conference when John Harbaugh made that announcement to the media when i watched it i saw a different tone it's the easiest way to explain it out of john harbaugh than i had seen really ever before and when i say different tone it was it was a reserved almost like a reserved statement like this kind of tone of i I don't want to make this statement but i have to Was that the feeling when you were there? Did did it seem like a different tone? If it if it did seem like a different tone out of him, could you describe that tone and what effect that may have had on this team since Lamar has you know really taken the reins?
1: I feel like it was prepared for sure. I don't think it was like you know something Harbaugh was just going to go out there and say himself. It
2: wasn't an off the cuff Harbaugh
1: statement. Yeah, so I guess it was prepared. He like they the writer was on the wall for. it.
0: Well, that's what I, I think. the The more direct question would be: Is it was it given? Was that statement given above Harbaugh's head? Meaning, was this against Harbaugh's wishes, or do you think that John really came up with this decision to go with Lamar for the rest, you know, the rest of the year?
1: I feel like John came up with the decision just to go with Lamar for the rest of the season. Okay, because I feel like Steve Bashotti, If let's say John had said, okay. Steve, we're gonna go with Joe. Well, if you go with Joe and you lose, you know, what happens then? Right. Okay. And Steve's probably heated about that and he's like, all right, well, I'm not giving him another chance. But if you win with a young guy, you prove you prove one of two things. So one, he shows that he can win with Lamar. And that means that, hey, maybe I can I can come back to the Ravens. Right. Two the second thing that he shows that that if he does win with Lamar, he has the ability to go on to another team with another young quarterback or they can draft a guy that's under his tutelage and he brings his own guys in. And he shows that, hey, look, Lamar Jackson was going well under me. I'm sorry that it didn't work out in Baltimore. Right. But they didn't give me a, a fair shake. I was able to develop Joe Flacco. You know, I was able to develop to an extent, Lamar, for at least a season. So you should give me a chance because I have have a Super Bowl ring. And I'm thinking that's why John was like, hey, look, I'm going to set myself up in the best possible position to, you know, display. And not only that, I felt like it was beneficial for the Ravens in the sense that you're displaying for maybe a a potential young coach that's out there, hey, well, look, we're displaying what Lamar Jackson can do well. Right. And you guys have it on tape. Now, it's almost like Mitch Trubisky when when they had John Fox and then Jared Goff when <laughs> Jeff Fisher was there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's one of those situations where, hey, well, we could display these guys while we have our lame duck head coach. And then maybe the Ravens thought that initially, and then they started winning. And then everything started going very well. So that kind of changed their perception around the team in a sense that, hey, maybe John is that guy still. And maybe it just was Joe. Maybe Joe just doesn't fit the team anymore. So maybe that that's what I think is the thought process from both sides. And I think that, I'm not going to say I know that definitively. Right. Like, you know, some other reporters out there. Have <laughs> said, but, you know, it's neither here nor there. Right.
2: But, well, so, all right, so... One of the things we we normally do is a two-minute warning, and we're not doing that this week, but I'm going to give the two minutes to Kyle here to just go off and say you know anything. Tell us where people can find you, how they can follow you, anywhere that you're writing for. Uh, Just tell us about what's going on. So I'm going to start the two-minute warning. You just go off, and if you want to go off on a topic for two minutes, go ahead. You'll hear the buzzer at the end, man.
1: Can I talk about the O's really quickly? Sure. sure. And you got two minutes. It's you, your time, you got brother. Two minutes, you do what you want with it.
2: Two minutes right. and your time starts right
1: meow. All right. So first things first, I want to talk about the Orioles and the fact that they brought in Brandon Hyde and Michael Lies. And I know this is very off topic from the Ravens, but those two guys both have winning pedigrees. They have won a World Series in 2017 and 2016. So both of these guys, very young guys, Michael Elias is 30 or I believe in Brandon Hyde is 45. So, I mean, these guys are very young guys that have that winning pedigree that will bring that into this organization. Maybe they'll change some things around. Bobby Witt probably is coming to the Orioles in a couple months as well. So, they'll be able to bring some more people. And I like this kid, Richie Martin, too. I feel like he's a very good Mm -hmm. Rule 5 pick. I also think that Ryland Bannon... The second baseman slash third baseman that the Orioles have, he is a very underrated prospect. Then you have Ryan McKenna, who I think is also a very underrated prospect. He plays outfield. And then with UCL Diaz, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, you have a you have four good outfielders at that point. So they have a bright future in that minor league system. They're gonna have to keep building these guys up. They're also gonna have to get some pitching. I think that down the line, You'll have to see Jonathan VR be traded. and I think that if he had, he gets off to a good start, the Orioles will have some more prospects because this dude can play. He has he has speed out the wazoo. So I mean, yeah, give that guy his just due, and they can get some prospects for him. And I think the Orioles will be able to rebuild their team. All
2: right, and where can we find? Where can everybody find you at?
1: Kyle Jordan, well, not Kyle Jordan, Andrews. That's my full name, but <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Andrews1994 on Twitter. I also write for Baltimore Beatdown, and Baltimore Beatdown can be followed on Twitter at bmorebeatdown. So those two places where you could find me besides 105.7 The Fan, everybody knows about 105.7 The Fan if you live in Baltimore. That's just right. Just because it's the biggest radio station, well, biggest sports radio station in Baltimore. Um, Just check us out. And one other, one last thing I want to say is shout out to Logan Levy. Yes, sir. He's also also a fellow Baltimore beatdown guy in our group.
0: Right. We'll have to get all you guys on the show, man. That would be a. Oh man, I don't even know if we could keep it under wraps if we had all those guys. In I'd there. have to but have a, <laughs> I'd have to have a mute button yeah. somewhere that I could just mute everybody. Have, definitely have to have control
2: over that conversation. You're play, pull a Tommy Reality. Yeah. yeah. It's funny you said that. We just did uh, a show with a few people on YouTube, a few content creators on YouTube. Engraven uh, is one. We also did SGG Sports and Joe Nubo of uh, NF Podcasts and. That was, that was exactly what we did. That yeah, was kind of the I, around I, I
0: was, the horn without it being around the horn situation. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was pretty cool. It was a good time. You have to check that out. Kyle, my man, appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for coming on on short notice. Always appreciate your insight. You are always more than welcome to come on the show at any time. Appreciate it, brother.
1: All right. Thank you guys for allowing me to come on the show. I appreciate it. All right, that man. Check in.
0: Definitely. Sounds good. Take care of yourself, brother. Take care. You too. Thanks. No
1: problem. All right, there you guys. have it
0: Kyle from one oh five seven the fan always a good guy to have on the show again I, a wealth full of knowledge obviously he's got the uh the insight information there he's with got that the inside Ravens. scoop yeah uh just a, a lot of fun talking to him so what's going on with the social media networks? I have not paid
2: attention <laughs> at all so what do we got questions so- anything? social media we've answered a lot of the questions uh okay. mark. Mark 2K6 uh, was was going off about the contract extension announcement saying uh, it was about decompressing any tension surrounding the team and any coaching changes. Harbaugh is not going anywhere while the Ravens are winning. And that's kind of exactly what Kyle kind of hit yeah, on there right. was that if they're winning, he, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. He, he made the decision whether it was... You know, Kyle seems to think it it came directly from Harbaugh. I just felt like the tone when I listened to it was different. But you know what? I trust Kyle. Kyle is there. Kyle right. is, follows this team. He is at training camp. He is at the uh, the facility every week. And is following this team and really knows the ins and outs of what's going on with them. So I really trust with that. And then Mark also said, "This is Birdland BS." O's are never off topic in
0: reference to that. Absolutely. Hey, you know one thing I do want to remind you guys because we didn't talk about this prior to the show and when the show first started. This episode is brought to you by John Scheffenacker of Cummings and Co. Realtors. John's a realtor that's been in the business for about four years now, and he's always dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always available for you anytime, day or night, so don't be afraid to give John a call. Call him today at 443-604-6298.
2: Yeah, I've said it every week. I'll continue to say it. John helped my wife and I buy our house a little over three years ago now. We called the guy while he was on vacation. He answered without a problem. Got us into the house while the man's on vacation. The next day, got had us in the house. We were able to see it. It wound up being the house that we were buying. He was a strong negotiator for us. Got ex- exactly what we were looking for out of the deal, and got us all the closing costs that we were looking to have covered, and and all that kind of stuff. He also takes care of his clients. I've said it before. I say it again. My Thanksgiving pecan pie. You had some of that <laughs> stuff, Fred. That stuff was good, man. Right. And he he reaches out to his clients all the time. They have little notices that come out on a monthly and quarterly basis that help you as a homeowner, little tips about insurance, little tips about you know when you're spring cleaning, what you should do and what you should go through and and how to keep up with your house. It's just great all that he does for his clients. You want to make sure that if you reach out to him, reach out to him today, 443-604-6298. You can also reach him on his email at johnsheffa at gmail.com. That's J-O-N-C-S-C-H- E-F-F-A at gmail.com. Make sure that you tell them when you when you reach out to them, Burland BS was the one that sent you. That's right.
0: And just a quick uh, social media shout-out. I just pulled up Facebook just to see comments. Matt Hass and I, as always, appreciate the insight. I see that uh, <laughs> he had made reference that I had said it weeks ago, if Joe <laughs> is a the quarterback, they won't play a call this way. And all I'm going to say is it's not Joe's fault. Go Lamar's Ravens. <laughs> 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 well said. Well uh, said chibs like i said man uh if we could have just loaded you into the show easily by all means we would have done that uh we're getting we're used still to this, with new, new this new programming and stuff so we will be sure to have you on the show uh sometime soon again we had a lot of fun with you last time so we'll make sure that that happens i'm sure you were itching uh to get in on that conversation <laughs> for sure we'll make sure it happens
2: he knows kyle well enough it would have been an interesting conversation that is for sure <laughs>
0: But that's it, man. Another show is in the books. We appreciate you guys tuning in this week. Uh, obviously, it's Sunday. It's a little different uh, feel and a little different uh, roundup, but uh, we had a lot of fun with it. Like,
2: a lot of people, by the way, on social media, loving the background. Awesome. Loving we appreciate the background.
0: It. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks bo- for spending your Sunday evening with
2: us. Our boy, Engraven even loves it. Uh, what's up, engraving <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. So we want to make sure that you guys follow all of our content. You can check us out first at www.BirdlandBS.com. There you can find out about Fred, myself, our other co-host, Ryan. You can check out all of our episodes, and you can even go get yourself some good gear, some BS shirts, hats. Got the hashtag effect. You better go get it while it's hot. Make Make sure you also visit us at (laughs) www.BirdlandSports.com. We're there with a bunch of other podcasters and writers. There's enough content for you there every day of the week. It's for fans by fans. Make sure that you also check us out on all of our social media platforms. That includes YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. We're there. All you got to look for is at BirdlandBS or slash BS, whichever one you're looking at. Make sure you also let us know if you want to h- have a comment heard on the show. Email us. Text us. Get, get a hold of us somehow. Somehow, <laughs> some way. It will come up on the show. We, As you see, we have these comments. We, we bring them up. We answer your questions. Also, make sure, if you want to tune in next week, it's next Tuesday. Not this coming Tuesday. That's Christmas. Have a good Christmas. We'll see everybody. Merry January Christmas. First. New Year's Day. We will see everybody for our regularly scheduled show. 845 every Tuesday night except for Christmas. I'll say it again. Disclaimer, except for Christmas. We'll see you guys. From Birdland BS, I'm Scott. I'm Fred. Peace. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Don't do that.